is Evan at Stride. I'm back with another episode of the Stride Power Podcast. This is episode number five, and today we'll be talking about 12 reasons why a running power meter can help your running. Uh, This is going to primarily be influenced by the Running With Power book by Jim Vance. There's a great article from a couple of years ago called 14 Ways a Running Power Meter Can Help You. Uh, But I wanted to take a few points out and kind of rehash stuff with some more modernization. Uh, The article was written two or three years ago. Um, First off, I want to say thanks to everybody for downloading the first couple of episodes. It really, really helps if you leave a review on the podcast listening platform of your choice. Uh, Whether that's a five-star review uh, and a comment, it helps other people find the show that might not know that they want to listen to the Stride Power podcast. Um, everybody's feedback has been very, very helpful. So I just want to say thank you right off the top. Uh, and we would appreciate it if you give a positive review and subscribe on the platform of your choice. Uh, today, we're going to talk about 12 different reasons why a running power meter can make you faster, can make you a better runner. We're also going to talk about some of the uh, reasons why you're using a running power meter, or maybe if you're still on the fence about getting a stride or training by power, this will help kind of nudge you towards adopting the training methodology and then maybe also uh, convince you to give stride a try if you are still on the fence for that. Um, so the, the the first thing, why are you even listening to this podcast? Maybe it came up as a recommendation. Maybe you get the stride newsletter and you got a link to it. Uh, maybe you're just looking for other running content to listen to. Uh, first off, mainly I'm going to assume that you're a runner and you have goals. Uh, whether you're trying to qualify for a race like the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon, uh, a race that requires a time goal, or you're trying to finish your first 5K, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're hoping to set a age group personal best or you're hoping to place high in your local hometown race, it really does not matter. Uh, as long as you have a goal, Stride is there to try and help you achieve that next step. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to uh, you know, put in more and more effort, train harder. Uh, the phrase usually goes train smarter, not harder, and that's what we're going to try and help you achieve. Uh, as you continue to improve, you continue to need to set higher goals to give you to some to give you something to chase. You can't necessarily uh, get complacent and just assume that you're going to get faster because you just keep running day in and day out. Uh, you need to have that next step in mind of what you actually want to achieve. Uh, training is not easy at all. Training for running is hard, and what we're going to talk about today is ways that you can train smarter, not necessarily harder, but train with a more intelligent purpose behind your general running. Instead of just putting the right foot in front of the left foot, so on and so forth, you can actually use structure and uh, this guide to help you to get faster, as well as the other episodes uh, from, from this podcast and future episodes as well, as well as other resources that we have on the Stride website. So, I want to talk about making the switch from running to training. Some people might think that these terms can be used interchangeably, and for some people they definitely can. If you are training to just be healthy, just be fit, generally fit, uh, you just like running uh, as much as you can every week, uh, if you can get an easy jog in every day, that's good for you. 
then absolutely that's perfectly fine. You can still use stride with success. Uh, making that mindset switch from just running to training, though, there are a couple specific factors. Generally, tracking things like how far you ran or how much time you spent running per week, they can be a great start towards training, being able to track these certain things that you do each week. Uh, heart rate during a run or before and after a run has also been a classical example of how you track your training. So instead of necessarily just tracking your run, if you think, oh, I just run at a certain heart rate, you're actually training because you're setting a certain threshold for yourself. You're setting a certain uh, way that you run by. Uh, the, the reason that we don't necessarily at stride obviously pay attention as much to heart rate is that it can be affected by environmental factors that are unrelated to your specific training which can be things like your diet temperature overall stress uh, caffeine levels um, pace may seem straightforward as a way to track training as well as volume so let's say you normally track your training and you run at a very specific pace each week, you're only running at this one pace, you run a certain amount of volume per week, so a certain amount of mileage or a certain amount of kilometers per week. Um, but that's kind of hard to quantify if you're just looking at the time it takes you to complete a certain circuit of distance. Uh, varying terrain and elevation can definitely affect overall pace, whether it's windy, it's hot, it's cold. Uh, they all have a negative impact on pace or positively if you have a huge tailwind versus a huge headwind. If you're running uphill, downhill, if it's um, 80 degrees Fahrenheit versus uh, zero degrees uh, Fahrenheit, uh, there's a ton of different environmental factors that can affect the certain metrics that you might already be tracking, like pace or overall volume or heart rate or other factors that you might track. But when we look at power, we look at a metric that, um, which I'll reference later, that's a little bit more honest, that's a little bit more straightforward. It gives you a better understanding of what your body is actually going through day to day. So if you use any of these tools, like we've already talked about, pace, distance, heart rate, they can be a great way to get a base and familiarity with how to train. But we want to show you how to train smarter, not necessarily make you work harder to achieve the goals that you're setting for yourself. And so we're gonna talk about specifically how a stride running power meter can help you get to that next step. You're no longer gonna to have to wonder whether this recovery run is in the right zone, whether you're actually recovered, whether you're hitting the right intensity specifically for the race that you are training for. You don't have to worry necessarily about how much volume you're running per week as long as you're paying attention to the intensity of that volume. Uh, so we're going to talk about why you should run with a running power meter. This might be for the people that uh, have a stride but have let it sit in, you know, on, on a shelf or next to their running shoes and they haven't used it in a while. And maybe you need a little spark of motivation and reasoning to clip it back on your shoe and get out and running. This might be for people that have heard of stride but you're still kind of curious. You don't really know what it's all about. So why should you run with a running power meter? I want to start with a... Um, example of a trend of technology that has caught on in another similar endurance sport that is pretty much gospel. It's pretty much a given now. Uh, cycling and triathlon. If you have participated in biking or cycling, uh, either at a competitive level or recreational level, or you compete in triathlon, you have probably heard of a power meter on the bike that measures the, the power that you're outputting either uh, through a pedal or through a crank. 
Uh, a similar thought of adopting technology is the use of a GPS device, uh, whether that's a watch or you use a running app on your phone, or again, you, you use a watch like an Apple watch, a Sunto, a Polar watch, a Garmin, uh, tons of tons of GPS watch brands out there. But if you have already accepted either in cycling or triathlon the concept of a power meter, or you're a runner and you track you're running with a GPS watch or a GPS device like your phone, then you already have accepted a amount of running technology. Uh, and it's a given if you have a GPS watch paired with a stride that you've accepted stride as that next uh, technology change. Um, GPS can be extremely, extremely useful for monitoring metrics that you've decided in real time that you've chosen to accept. If you use uh, heart rates and you use a heart rate strap or an optical heart rate monitor, uh, generally you are tracking these certain metrics, whether they are 100% accurate or not. Uh, that's not what I want to talk about right now. Uh, but the fact that you have already gone out of your way to maybe upgrade from using no watch to uh, using a GPS watch or uh, using a phone app to track whatever you're doing for your running, that is a step towards the right direction of, again, tracking your training. Uh, while your GPS is useful, it is a small, small chunk of an investment that you can make towards your overall success as a runner. Uh, it's a leap in technology, again, from just lacing up your shoes and going and running out the door and guessing how far you ran or guessing how long you ran. Uh, the strategy of looking at the microwave or your cell phone right before you run out the door and then looking at it as soon as you get back to kind of guesstimate how far you were actually running is a step probably in the wrong direction. And so we're going to talk about why adding in more running technology will actually help you get better at training and running. So um, this specific example, I want to read directly from the article that Jim Vance wrote. Uh, again, his 14 ways a power meter can help you get faster. Uh, I thought that this was a great, great, great way to just talk about the change in technology. So um, he writes, in the history of running technology, a stopwatch is probably equivalent to using a typewriter. Pretty good at its job, but severely limited in scope. Running step up to heart rate monitors was a revelation, but in retrospect, it was like moving from the typewriter to what we would now regard as an old, heavy, slow desktop, com desktop computer. So again, that advance in technology. Today's GPS wrist units are like the first cell phones, much like a flip phone. Uh, the portable power meter for running is the next step, equivalent to the laptop, tablet, and smartphone coming to existence all at once, all in that same time. And while you can still accomplish a lot with a desktop computer, you will likely be much, much more effective in many ways if you add the laptop, tablet, and smartphone to your arsenal. This is what the power meter brings to the world of training and racing for competitive running. So I am going to highlight 12 different points of why a running power meter can actually help you get faster, can help you get better at running and training for whatever your goal is. So the first is a concept that we've uh, talked, to, talked about before in a previous episode, but this is your training specificity. So being specific 
to what you are actually training for. So this number one point is boost your training specificity. Uh, Jim Vance writes, one of the core principles in sports training is the principle of specificity. Simply stated, in order to become better at a specific task, you must practice or train that task. Power meters help us see how well our specific training is improving our fitness. More to that point, the power meter can help you prepare for the specific demands of the target race you're preparing for. I think this is a great example for people who have a certain goal in mind. Let's say your goal is to break six minutes in the mile, uh, in four laps of the track plus a little bit, or you run a road mile. Um, let's just say this example is that you want to cover one mile uh, in less than six minutes. You can figure out the exact power output that you need to sustain, not exactly just looking at uh, the time it takes you to complete a circuit. If you are checking your splits, so uh, referencing splits on a track, uh, each lap that you run, let's just say you're running a four lap race, you look each time you cross that starting line to see what that time was for that previous lap. So if you're trying to run under six minutes in the mile, you need to run under 90 seconds per 400 meter lap uh, on, on the track. And so if you're just waiting to see that next lap split, but you're halfway through the lap or you're three quarters through the lap and you don't know what that split might look like, you can check your power in real time and see if you're shooting way too high or if you're too low and you need to actually pick it up a little bit. So talking about specificity in this example, if you have that you know, you're trying to run five minutes and 59 seconds, you need to squeeze out every single ounce of advantage that you can. You know by running and training for your specific goal that to run, let's just say 89 seconds per lap of a 400 meter outdoor track, you need to run at 300 watts, just a nice round number there. If you run and you average 300 watts, you're going to accomplish your goal on a track. Uh, so looking at specificity in this example is one way. Let's say you have a undulating, a rolling course, a course that has lots of uphills and downhills. You know that it's probably not going to be a PR day for you, a personal record, personal best day for you, but you can set out knowing that you have trained for this course based off other training sessions you might have done at home. Let's say uh, you're running the Boston Marathon and the Boston Marathon is kind of notorious for the large amounts of downhills in the first 13 to 16 miles. And then in the last couple of miles, you have these nice big uphills. So let's say that you know you are training for the Boston Marathon. You can actually practice and see how your training on rolling courses improves over time, but also is more specific towards your goal. If you went out to set a uh, personal best at a flat marathon or a flat race, uh, you could do training sessions more on flat terrain to actually get a more logical and specific idea of how you're going to train and how your training is improving towards your goal race. And then on race day, you're not surprised because all of a sudden your power is all over the place. Your pace is all over the place because you're not running properly because you didn't train specifically for that goal that you had set out to do. Uh, the second point is a running power meter can improve your running technique. We talked about this uh, in the understanding power meter metric basics episode of the stride power podcast which i would encourage you to listen to if you haven't already but we talked about the specific examples of looking at 
how your power relates to your form power so that power that isn't used to necessarily move forward that vertical power as well as looking at your ground contact time your cadence your leg spring stiffness your vertical oscillation all of these factors go into your running technique that if you were just training by heart rate or if you were just training by a gps watch points and pace and distance you wouldn't have this inside advantage so we talked about this more specifically in the understanding power meter metric basics episode. And I would encourage you to listen to that for this specific example, but a running power meter stride specifically can help you improve your running technique by identifying maybe where you are fatiguing at points on long runs or workouts or identifying certain metrics that you might be a little low on and you can actually improve. Uh, the third point is that your power numbers don't lie. Uh, Jim Vance writes that fitness may seem pretty simple to measure. You just look at how fast you ran. But again, like we talked about uh, running the Boston Marathon, how the course is not a pancake flat course. It is not a track race. It is a marathon over rolling courses. If you're training for ultra marathons or trail races, you know that you probably cannot uh, just assume that you're in a certain shape on the track or on a local road 5k and then take that exact fitness out to a hundred miler uh, over trails and hills in a super long endurance event. Uh, pace is a good tool for looking at your overall training and maybe day in and day out. But when you add that power on top of it, you actually get to see what fitness you are in. And then if you add heart rate, again, that other piece of the puzzle, we begin to kind of get this complete picture, but that power, uh, monitoring that power really, really shows you what fitness you are in. Um, the fourth point here is monitoring injuries. If you do get injured, which a large, large percentage of runners get hurt each year, if you do get injured, you can use your power meter, your stride power meter to understand what shape you are in when you come back from injury. So you don't have to guess, you don't have to worry that, you know, you took four weeks off because you had a foot injury over the winter and you're really, really, really struggling to see where you're at when when it comes to the, your, your certain shape. Uh, good news for you is that you can do a critical power test or you can do a race uh, wearing stride power meter, and you can actually get the level of fitness that you're in based off this critical power test, which again, we talked about in a previous episode. Um, but then also you can measure that improvement as you come back from injury over time. Uh, with power, we talked about running stress score uh, in a previous episode, but running stress score is looking at the amount of time that you're spending at that power level in that moment, uh, maybe for this exact workout that you that you happen to be doing, let's say it's uh, 10 times one minute at a hard effort and then one minute easy in between, you can actually gauge how hard you work on a track compared to a rolling dirt hilly course based off of your RSS, that running stress score. Um, let's say that you end up being slower overall on the dirt hilly uh road loop that you're doing on the track, but and you think, oh my gosh, I'm not doing a good enough workout, when in reality, your RSS or your running stress score is actually higher because you're outputting a higher power to maintain a little bit slower pace. So you can actually use running stress score to monitor how hard you're actually training. And this other example that I like to talk about um, on an easy run is, is probably my, my favorite. Um, you have your normal 
Thursday easy run with your with your local running friends and you normally just do a flat out and back uh, run, let's say it's 10 kilometers, it's six miles out and back. You normally run on a flat bike path, but one of them says, hey, let's go do a trail run. And you say, sure, I haven't done trails in a while. You normally complete your 10K run in an hour, even. Then you go out and run on the trails and you say, I just want to run for an hour. And you go out and do that. It's a little bit harder than you're used to because you're not really used to the footing. You're not really used to the rolling up and down hills. And you get kind of disappointed because you see you average 10 seconds slower per kilometer than you usually do on your easy runs on Thursday when you meet up with your friends. But if you look at the running stress score, again, uh, you can see that this was actually a harder recovery run than you normally do, so you know how to actually adjust your training accordingly. Let's just say for this specific example, you normally average 30 RSS um, for, for your runs. And this trail run that you did is actually up in the uh, 40 RSS range. So it's a lot, a lot harder than you're used to. So you know for that Friday workout or that Saturday long run or that Sunday long run, whatever you're structuring your training like, that you need to probably dial it back a little bit so you do not risk as much injury because you caught yourself knowing that you can look at RSS to actually get a gauge of how hard you're actually training. Uh, this is uh, another offshoot of it. The next point is better recovery. If you don't recover adequately, you're not actually training. You have to stress your body, then let your body rest, and then your body improves fitness. It just You have to repeat that over and over again. It might seem like a magic secret that you've never heard before. You usually just follow a training plan that you printed out and you put on your fridge or you screenshot it and you keep on your phone or you keep a Excel document or you just read a book and you look day to day how your uh, training is going. But if you don't follow the concept of do that harder session or do that training, let your body rest and recover and then come back and get more and more fit, you're just going to hit a plateau or you're going to stagnate. You're going to hit a flat performance line. You're not going to improve after a while. So with, again, this RSS metric and specifically stride power meter, you can have better recovery because you can gauge your actual efforts. Uh, this next point is power meters offer precision tapering. And if you have done a marathon, a half marathon, a 5K, 10K, if you haven't done a race before and you don't know what tapering is, um, it is adjusting your overall workload as you get closer to the race. You don't, your, your, your goal race, I should say, you do not want to go into your goal race with uh, three days out, you say, I'm training for a marathon and I need to be able to run 26 miles. So a couple days before the marathon, I'm going to go out and run 26 miles so I know that I can finish the race. That's not how you should train because, again, this whole recovery concept, if you all of a sudden did a 26-mile long run, uh, you know, three days before your goal race, you would probably feel not too great for your goal race. And if you're listening, you say, well, duh, no, nobody does that. That's, that's, that's a pretty illogical thing to do. You, you know that you have to taper down to a certain amount and you just follow the training plan and it tells you that you need to uh, do less of a long run the week or two before you need to not do as hard of a workout to, for those people that might be, you know, veterans following a training plan, they know how their training structure goes, then good. 
that works for you knowing your taper. But if you've never done a taper before, or you might want to try an actual taper, you can actually look at a, a metric called training stress balance, which is the difference between your acute training load and your chronic training load. And this might be super confusing. I don't want to take a deep dive into this right now and, and lose a lot of people explaining it. But basically, you can take a look at the difference between the intensity that you've run over the past two weeks, this RSS metric, and then you can compare that to your six-week overall uh, balance. And you can see as you get closer to the race, you need to start reducing that that training load in the the last two weeks to make sure that you're you know, you're ready, you're fresh, your legs are feeling good, you're not super depleted in terms of your energy stores, uh, you're you're starting to feel motivated again because you don't necessarily hit peak mileage in the last two weeks before your race. And so this, this point is talking about precision tapering, and this will be something that uh, Stride will give a little bit more insight to a little bit down the road here in 2019 about uh, this training stress balance concept, but talking about tapering overall, if you again, measure this RSS metric and you measure these concepts in real time, you can actually adjust your training and set yourself up for the best possible race day. This next point is about warming up. And so you can warm up without wasting energy. If you've ever uh, been to a local race or you uh, run workouts once or twice a week and you just kind of jog around for 10 or 15 minutes or you do some brisk walking and then a little bit faster running then you jump right into your workout chances are that you're not setting yourself up for the best possible workout or race that you can have uh, depending on your training plan you might get recommendations to do these things called strides uh, s-t-r-i-d-e-s that we talked about in the critical power test episode about how to warm up your body and prepare your body you don't have to just run all out or run super hard. You don't have to guess, well, is this 5K effort? If you use stride power meter, you can warm up at a very, very specific zone in your specific power zone to know that, yes, I'm priming my muscles to get ready to run fast without taxing my body too much. I'm not running all out uh, for 10 seconds to 20 seconds before my 5K race because that's going to impact it negatively, but I am intelligently using a power zone that I've established to know that I want to target this 5k power, I'm going to warm up my body at this 5k power for short little bursts. Again, these, these strides that we talked about in a previous episode to know how to warm up properly and potentially shave off those couple of extra seconds. Let's say that you're trying to break 20 minutes in the 5k and each time you just feel like that first kilometer or that first mile, you just takes so much time to get moving and you just don't feel very fluid. You don't feel very comfortable in the first, uh, you know, third to fifth of the race. If you warm up properly and you actually get your muscles ready to go on the starting line, you will set yourself up more for success. And that could be the difference between seeing, uh, you know, a, a 5k time with a 20 00 and a 1959. Uh, the next point here is power to weight ratios. And this is referred to as Watts per kilogram. Uh, your power meter will identify your power to weight ratio, which can tell you a lot, including your ideal race weight. If you're looking to break three hours for the marathon, reaching a certain power to weight ratio might be a very effective metric on which to base your training. And let's just say 
Um, you are working with a nutrition plan. Maybe you're uh, talking to a registered dietitian. Uh, somebody in your you're coming at your training at all angles. You can specifically monitor your power to weight ratio and and see how you're improving over time if you are focusing on maybe trimming down your weight a little bit ahead of a race to get a extra couple seconds off. What Stride can do for this specifically is show your progress. Stride is not going to advocate and tell you that you have to get down to this certain power to weight ratio and be at an unhealthy weight to squeeze out the maximum performance. What Stride can do is show you your specific progress in relations to running power. And so the example that I give here is let's say that you know your goal race, you need to average a certain number of watts, let's say it's uh, three 300 watts at your current weight, but if you lose a little bit of weight, you might actually only have to average 290 watts, but that power to weight ratio is the exact same. So you know how to more intelligently monitor your training over time as you adjust your weight, but this power to weight ratio is a concept that you can use uh, again, Stride doesn't necessarily show it uh, on, on all the plans right now, but this is something that uh, we're really, really excited to kind of delve into and help more people with. But if you want to take it upon your own action to look at your power to weight ratio, it is your watts per kilogram, and you can identify these trends over time. Uh, the, next, the, the, the next factor is speed per watt, and this is something that I would really, really encourage if you're interested in this specific topic, picking up a copy of Jim Vance's Run with Running with Power book. Uh, the speed per watt is, he says, possibly the most important concept in this book and arguably the biggest advantage of a power meter. It is a better understanding of how the watts you are producing are converted into speed. This insight into your running is something you could never measure until now. And this is a great point. I will not take the risk at uh, saying something that is not completely accurate. So I would say if you're interested in identifying your speed per watt, picking up a copy of Jim Vance's book would definitely, definitely be the good idea here. Um, the, the example that he gives is seeing if your training is working. At the end of your season, the data you've accumulated from your power meter can be invaluable in assessing how well your training plan worked and what to do next. This is the most important thing that I think personally. If you achieve your goal, you know, let's say again, it's this 5K runner that wants to break 20 minutes in the 5K. Let's say you get agonizingly close. You run 20.05. That's a great progress towards your goal. Let's say then you sit down and instead of just saying, well, I'm just gonna do the same plan over and over again, you intelligently look at how your training is actually working over time, how you averaged 300 watts during your 5K, what you did during certain workouts and how those translated to race day, you can know what to tweak for next time. You can take it upon yourself to delve a little bit more into your training and assess how your training goes. I think it's super, super important to follow a training plan through race day, run your successful race, but then also reflect on how you got there and see what changes you can positively make. Um, generally, life comes up. Let's say uh, there was one week where you got sick in your training plan. Let's say there was one week where work just got too busy and you had to miss a long run. Let's say that you had a family commitment. Let's say something went wrong. You can identify that key factor. You can identify 
all these key factors that end up compounding into your overall fitness and you can see what you can change for next time. I'm a huge believer in following a training plan, running your goal race, and then seeing how that training plan actually got you there and how you can adjust it for the future. Um, the next point here is pacing to win. A power meter can help you establish and maintain the correct pace, even on courses where establishing the right rhythm is difficult. Again, we'll talk about the examples of uh, hilly road races versus track versus flat bike path routes. Uh, if you're running on a hilly course for your race, you need to run by power, not pace. You'll see so many people that just look at their GPS watch and think, I need to average eight minutes per mile for this for this, uh, let's say it's a 5K. So you're you're trying to average a specific race speed. They just look at their GPS watch and they have their their eyes glued on that pace, and they're trying. They're pressing so hard up the uphill, and then they're slamming on the brakes down the downhill because they think that they need to run the same exact speed. When in reality, if you monitor your power in real time and you pace via power during your race, and you intelligently know the exact wattage that you need to target, you will have more success. Uh, the next point here goes hand in hand with this. It's knowing when to open the throttle. Uh, Jim Vance says, let's say your race is going really well, perhaps even better than expected, and you feel like you've got more than you can give, uh, or more than your power meter told you you could give. Your power meter can give you an objective assessment of your running condition and can help you determine even in the middle of a race when you have the form to open the throttle. So let's say you prepared for your first half marathon, you're kind of nervous, you know that everybody tells you that it's a little bit longer than you think it is, your goal is to break two hours in the half marathon, and you get to 10 miles and you have 5K left, you have 3.1 miles left in your first ever half marathon, and you're running at the specific power number that your critical power test told you you could do, and you did a 10K race during your training block that told you that you could probably run this certain time, and let's say it's two hours flat. Your goal is two hours flat for the half marathon, but you get the 5k left and you feel really good. And you see that number on your watch, the, the power meter is telling you that you're still running at this goal effort, this, this goal wattage, but with 5k left to go, you start to pick it up a little bit. And all of a sudden you run one hour, 59 minutes. You end up running uh, 20 seconds faster per mile over the last 3.1 miles over the last 5k. And you beat your, you beat your goal. You beat anything you thought you could possibly do because you had the knowledge to look at this specific power number that you knew you could do. And then once you got in the later stage of the, of the race, the last little bit of the race, the last 25% of the race, you picked it up a little bit and you decided that, you know what, two hours is good, but 159 is great. And so you accomplish your goal and even more because you paced via power and you knew that you could afford to press a little bit more. Um, those were 12 points. And I think that this original article from Jim Vance uh, it is great. I think that the Run With Power book is great and that if you are at all curious about these points and you want to read for yourself, um, expanding information on all these points, I would really encourage you to pick up the Run With Power book. This will be in the show notes on whatever platform you're listening to, but also we'll send out an email along with this podcast with the links to the Run With Power book as well as some more resources 
that we uh, have talked about in the past and that we've also talked about in this episode or things that I might find helpful to helping you get better at running with power, training with power, racing with power, and overall your running, training, and racing. Uh, this concludes this episode. I really appreciate everybody listening. Again, this was 12 points on why a running power meter can make you a faster runner. If you have any feedback, please let us know. You can uh, email in at support at stride.com. And like I said, it really, really helps other people find the show uh, if you give the podcast a five-star rating and a review, we would definitely love that. But any feedback you have, definitely let us know. If you have a certain person you want to hear interviewed or a certain topic that you'd love to learn more about, uh, feel free to go to our Facebook community as well to talk more about it. But you can definitely reach out to us, and we will definitely consider this for a future episode. But for now, again, my name is Evan. This has been a pleasure talking about 12 ways a running power meter can help you. And we will be back with a later episode in a couple days. Bye-bye.